0: And tonight's Big 12 collision between the Oklahoma Sooners and the undefeated Baylor Bears.
1: What's up, everybody? So, there was a pretty exciting game this weekend. That's obviously what we're going to focus on. I'm going to try something different this podcast. Instead of talking about the game and and kind of telling you sort of what happened and uh, giving my take on it, I'm going to play clips of the highlights of this game. And we're going to go through it in real time because as you may or may not know, there were two pretty distinct halves, and there were a lot of things that happened in each half that say a lot about both of these teams. So join me on this journey. Uh, I know, if you're a Baylor fan, you're like, I'm not interested. Listen to the first half of the podcast. That's all I have to say. This is the Big 12 Bullets. So that's a phrase you're going to hear a lot in this first half is Brewer's going to keep it, and he scores. And many times he scores standing up. That was the story of the first half. And it was pretty clear that Baylor had watched some Kansas State film because that's what Kansas State did to Oklahoma all day long. And Charlie Brewer's a similar type of quarterback. And I, again, I say this all the time, I am a dumb football guy. I'm mostly a fan just like you. Um, maybe I'm a little bit more observant than the average person. Probably not though. I could have told you the game plan going to this game was Baylor in any time, any short yardage situation, they're going to run Charlie Brewer up the middle and Oklahoma's not going to stop it. And then the other thing is any passing down, if Oklahoma can get pressure on the quarterback, Charlie Brewer is just going to step right up into the center, uh, and go for 12 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards. And that's going to keep happening over and over and over again in this first half. Oklahoma needed to put a spy there at a linebacker. They needed to not, you know, if you're going to get pressure on the quarterback, get it sort of up the middle or just try to figure out ways that you're not collapsing the pocket uh, from the ends. And then Charlie Brewer has a wide open 20 yards to run. Oklahoma didn't figure this out for a long time, and you're going to keep hearing that same phrase over and over and over again.
0: Play action again. Brewer takes it downfield. Shot
1: Oh yeah, Baylor has this guy named Denzel Mims. He's a really good receiver. You're going to hear that name a lot too because he dominated this first half. He made Oklahoma's corners who are banged up and also are just not very good. You know, the best corner Oklahoma has is probably Parnell Motley and he'll make a play later in this game, but he he's the type of guy that will make a big play and then make you kind of forget about the seven times he was burned throughout the half. This, this touchdown was not on Parnell Motley, but Oklahoma, the point is their best corner is really not that good. Um, Trey Brown's pretty good, but again, neither one of them are great. Neither one of them are guys who will shut down a player like Denzel Mims for most of the game. And so this lethal combination of Baylor's rushing attack that could get a few yards here and there, Charlie Brewer's specifically rushing attack that could get 20 yards at any moment, and Denzel Mims. Turned Baylor into an absolute buzzsaw in this first half. Uh, they were doing whatever they wanted at will, and this was a continuation of what Oklahoma's defense had done for the last two weeks. This is this is the point where all Oklahoma fans are again looking at each other, thinking, "Did we did we buy into this Grinch thing too early, or did we think that these players could actually do something when they really can't?" That was what was going on. Again, this is a Baylor team that scored nine points the week before, nine points in in four quarters against TCU the week before, and right now at this point they already have fourteen. It's going to get a lot worse.
0: Hertz is chased. Did he escape? Fall to the ground. It's a scrum. Baylor. Blake Lynch. Blake Lynch, co-captain, graduate. Bottom of that pile, and it is a barely take away.
1: So fourteen to three for Oklahoma's offense isn't terrible. When Jalen Hurts rolls out or tries to roll out, uh, you know, to get away from a rush and puts literally, you know, we say don't put the ball on the ground. He literally put the ball on the ground. That's when this game took a turn. Fourteen to three is bad, but if Oklahoma makes it fourteen to ten, you got a game on your hands. Fourteen to three when you turn over the ball like that—that's where it gets ugly, and that—that's where, to me, I felt like. Oh, this is this is not going our way, our way, and it's not going to change. That's when it felt like this thing was beginning to turn completely in Baylor's favor. Through,
0: keeping straight ahead, scores for a wow. second time, and Baylor building a big lead. Here's third down. Baylor crowds the line. Hertz has time though. Steps up. It's a long throw in the traffic, and it's intercepted. Picked off by Grayland Arnold. Arnold down the sidelines. Can he beat Hurts? No. The quarterback gets off the block and forces him out. But it's a second. Jalen Hurts turnover and Baylor in business again. Brewer from the pocket. Fires for the end zone. Touchdown Mims. His second. And Baylor is pouring it on against OU. 28-3.
1: This is where Jalen Hurts' Heisman campaign ended. Two straight turnovers, putting his team down by 25 points in the second quarter. This is where it ended. This is where everyone looked at each other and said, you know what, this is this is the guy. Like I talked to Aria. I talked with Aria about this last week, Ari Timken. This is the guy that we, we thought sort of we were getting from Alabama, a guy who can run it pretty well has a decent arm, can throw it okay, but will make these mistakes. Now, we didn't expect, nobody expected the ball being literally put on the on the ground, but these kind of interceptions, this is what Oklahoma fans probably expected from Jalen Hurts. I, you know, at this point was like, you know, I, I never really fully believed in the Heisman campaign for Jalen Hurts, and this is where it ended. When you make a play like that, that bad of a throw, it just, it's hard to recover. And 28 to 3 is impossible to recover from. This game's over. Um, you know, a, a guy that's a, a pretty respectable guy and not an overreacting type of person, Jason Kersey from The Athletic, who uh, hopefully we'll have on this show someday, He uh, he even tweeted, you know, this game's over, basically. And this means the season is basically over for Oklahoma. Does Oklahoma spend the next few games getting looks at Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler, their backup quarterbacks? I mean, you know, what's the point of developing Jalen anymore if your season's over? Uh, especially because we just saw he's not—he's not a star. He's not a, a, a just an, an unbelievable passer. That's what's going through everyone's head, and, and I, I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't thinking the same thing. Hey, maybe we should get Rattler in in the second half, see what he can do against a pretty good defense or Tanner Mordecai or something like that. You know, you want to you want to make it close, but come on, 28 to three, it's over, and and that's what's that's what's going through everyone's mind at this point. And maybe except Jalen Hurts because he seems to be just a, a singularly focused guy, but everyone has to be thinking that it's 28 to three on the road.
0: Hurts, has time, zips, and touchdown. Catch made in traffic by Austin Stogner. True freshman tight end. Is-
1: okay. Pretty good little drive from Oklahoma. Get a touchdown, 28-10. to 10. This is nothing like the C.D. Lamb, you know, lightning strike that happened um, against Kansas State where Oklahoma tried to come back against Kansas State and they scored in like five seconds. It's nothing like that. This was a, a methodical drive, and then they got a touchdown. That's nice. That's fine.
0: Very reliable this season. And he knocks it through.
1: So Baylor has a drive to end the half. They get pretty close to a touchdown, but Oklahoma actually makes a somewhat of a stand, uh, if that's what you want to call it. They have to kick the field goal because of time expiring, and they get the field goal. 28-10 to 10 at halftime is is not i mean it's bad it is absolutely bad 18 points at halftime that's you know at least three scores um you know that's three touchdowns uh essentially to get to that that many points but 31 to 10 is three full touchdowns just to tie it that is i mean that's significant 31 to 10 is bad if baylor had gotten a touchdown on this drive if you could say it was out of reach it was already out of reach, but now it would have been really out of reach. So getting that field goal was a big deal for Baylor. It's 31-10 to 10 at halftime, and this these are the thoughts going through everyone's minds. And I won't speak for Baylor fans. I know – well, I'll speak for them a little bit. You know that they're thinking, okay, we've done it. We've dominated them. We're going to be able to beat them again in the Big 12 championship. We're going to the playoff, or at least this week – the committee has to respect this win. A dominant win against an Oklahoma team that's pretty good. And we're obviously the better team. And look at what we're doing on offense. Look what we're doing on defense. Our defense only gave up 10 points to this dynamic offense. This Oklahoma a great offense. Yeah, I know they don't have C.D. Lamb, but that's got to be what's going through the head of the Baylor fans. Oklahoma fans, it almost became a joke of just like, well, we blew this one. I mean, I can't believe we blew it like this, but... It is what it is. These things happen. You can't be great every year. Maybe it'd be nice to, to make a, a decent bowl game. Maybe we make the Cotton Bowl or something like that. And, you know, maybe we get a big win against a three loss SEC team or, uh, you know, two loss Pac 12 team. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But that's what Oklahoma fans are thinking. Maybe we can salvage the season with a decent win, send Jalen Hurts off, say thanks for your, you know, your service. But, you know, it's Spencer Rattler time. And that's what we've been looking forward to, anyway. Uh, you know, Jalen. Uh, well, you know, we'll forget about him in a while because he was a decent player, uh, but he obviously played really poorly in the biggest game of the season. That's my thoughts. In fact, I just got Disney Plus, and you know what I did? I put on Disney Channel original movie Brink, my favorite Disney Channel original movie, and that we watched the first like five minutes of Brink at halftime. Uh, and, and a couple, uh, couple of people people with, they went and got ice cream. I mean, it was just like, Hey, this game's over. I'm not even, I don't care if I missed the first few minutes. It was that bad. And, um, so right after actually right in the middle, if I'm honest of the race at the beginning of the movie, the movie brink where they're racing in the high school, I was like, you know what, let me see what time if the game's back. And uh, I missed one play, which was fine, but I mean, come on, this game's over, Let let's start talking about the future of Oklahoma football.
0: Bears standing up, coming after Hurts again, gets it out, and has a crosser wide open, and Rambo slips a tackle, setter steps, still alive, knocked down hard, but it's first and goal, Oklahoma. And Hertz was looking to run, now tries to fire in the end zone, caught, touchdown, Stockner, the tight end again, is becoming an unlikely touchdown scorer for this offense. That is a great throw by Jalen Hurts.
1: So one of the most remarkable things that's going to happen throughout this half is all of the times that this game essentially could have been over, that this comeback should have ended. So you just heard a third and 13 that Oklahoma, if they didn't get, they probably would have had to go for on fourth and 13, which is you know almost impossible, but they converted that. And then that touchdown was on third and goal when they had gotten stuffed. They go third and goal. They go play action, roll out. Jalen Hurts and he throws one of the best throws of the day to Austin Stogner. Again, this is a this is the backup tight end, the starting tight end for the season. The superstar tight end Grant Calcaterra has not played all season, so you've got a, a backup tight end catching two touchdowns. You have Charleston Rambo, the number two receiver, who didn't you know he didn't show up that much in this game, but he made a big play right then. And it's thirty-one to seventeen, and now Baylor gets the ball for the first time in the half. And if they're going to continue to do what they were doing in the first half, this game is going to be over so quickly, and it will be out of hand before you even know it. And then this happens.
0: Michael Hasty is the back. He's got the football, and he breaks free. Hasty center step loses it. Ball is out, and Oklahoma finally has a takeaway. Beals recovers the fumble. They're going crazy over there because the five-game takeaway drought is over. Parnell Motley knocked the ball out of Hasty's hands.
1: Baylor starts off this drive doing exactly what they've been doing the entire first half. Just gashing Oklahoma's defense. Jermichael Hasty ran this for 20 yards and he was probably going to get to about 25 yards on a simple run play. And that would have just devastated Oklahoma, devastated the defense, devastated the offense that thought they might have a little bit of momentum. And then that guy, that name I said at the beginning, Parnell Motley, the guy who will make one play a game or really one play every five games and try to make you forget about all the bad plays that he made. Parnell Motley forces a fumble. Pat Fields, another guy who has had a kind of a rough last couple of weeks, recovers it. And Oklahoma gets that little sense of belief Maybe they could do this. They just got a takeaway. They could make it 31 24 like that with plenty of time left. And then.
0: Looking to throw again. Nope. It was just a fake. Loses the ball as he crosses the goal line. Baylor has recovered in the end zone. Did he break the plane? They're ruling it a fumble recovery by Lynch.
1: This is when I stopped believing. I believed when the takeaway happened that this thing could happen. This comeback could work. And then Jalen Hurts fumbled into the end zone and it was recovered by Baylor when he was about to make it 31-24 with plenty of time left. That is when the game, I felt, ended. There's no way a team can come back from down 21 points at halftime, 25 points overall, 21 points at halftime. If their quarterback, their star quarterback, their quote, you know, um, um, Heisman candidate fumbles into the end zone, doesn't happen. And yet, I don't have a highlight for this because it's not necessarily a highlight type play. But Oklahoma's defense just started playing defense. It wasn't the lucky takeaway after a 25-yard run. It was containing Charlie Brewer. It was forcing him to throw and actually making plays in the secondary. It was getting pressure on the quarterback. It was making sure he's not coming up the middle for 25 yards. And Oklahoma started forcing punts, three and outs, or at the very least just making Baylor give the ball back to Oklahoma. And guess what? When the Oklahoma offense has the ball and they're not turning it over, good things tend to happen.
0: Rounding and pounding against this Baylor defense. It's a first down throw instead. And the catch is made by Weesh, who spins it free and is going to score. And Oklahoma cutting the lead to just one score. Lincoln Riley told us this week on our call, it's a matter of time to these younger freshmen start to make plays in the second half of this season.
1: Remember that name, Theo Weiss, because I think you're going to be hearing that name about as much as you hear C.D. Lamb. That is one of Oklahoma's three five-star wide receivers. He's the one that hasn't gotten as much hype as as the other guy, Jaden Hazelwood. Theo Weiss, that kid is quick. Put some moves on Baylor guys right here, scored a touchdown. Now it's a one-touchdown game, and you start... Th- Start believing. But again, Baylor just has to score a touchdown. And they've been doing that at will. All they have to do is when they get the ball, make it 38 to 21. Or, sorry, make it 38 to 24 and just put this thing away. That's all they have to do. But they didn't. Oklahoma got the ball back again. And that's where it got really interesting.
0: Play action. Slam catch me by Hazelwood first and 10 inside the 20 86 overall hurts rolls it for the end Touchdown wide open is Braden Willis. Oklahoma, a PAT away from tying the football game.
1: One of the more remarkable things about this comeback, beyond besides the fact that there were no like massive plays like 80-yard touchdown passes or runs or anything like that, besides the methodical nature, was that Oklahoma tied this game with five minutes left. They came back down 21 at halftime and tied it with five whole minutes left. I mean, in in the big 12 days of yore where there were massive um, big quick strike offenses, you could score five touchdowns in five minutes. The old Oklahoma-Texas Tech game, Patrick Mahomes-Baker Mayfield game, that's what would have happened. Oklahoma tied this game with five minutes left, and there were only three more points left in the game. And uh, I think you know who scored those points.
0: 31 yards for the lead. No problem for the freshman. Still perfect on the season. And Oklahoma is in front.
1: Freshman kicker Gabe Burkich was not the starter to start the season. Some joker named Callum Sutherland was. He missed his first field goal. Gabe Burkich still hasn't missed ever since Callum got kicked off the team for abusing a woman or something. Get, Get that guy out of my life. Gabe is the man. This is Gabe the Babestown. Gabe Berkich. Has not missed. Was super confident taking this kick. Nailed it. Cool as a cucumber. He's the best. But, Baylor now has plenty of time to get down the field for John Mayers. Let's get another clutch field goal. Or to get all the way down the field and just score a touchdown, win the game. Forget about that huge blown lead and just celebrate. This would be like the Texas-Oklahoma game from last year where Oklahoma made a big comeback, and then Texas went down, kicked the field goal, they won. That's what I'm convinced is going to happen because I haven't seen Oklahoma's defense play consistently good for a long time. They've had some good plays so far this game, but I'm thinking, eh, here's what's going to happen. Denzel Mims is going to make a big, big play, and, uh, well, here he is.
0: They've got to get the ball near the Oklahoma 33-32-yard line. Mims still alive on the catch. Makes a move and stopped at the 40. Every brewer almost bottled the snap. Now, Furness, and this one is intercepted, given a second chance. Benito makes the pick, and a takeaway of all things is going to seal a massive comeback victory for Oklahoma.
1: As Chris Fowler almost incredulously says, a takeaway is what ended this game for Oklahoma, the thing that they've been begging for, the thing that they have been talking about they have not been getting that has been costing them a lot lately, the thing that I I wasn't really sure if they were ever going to get a takeaway, and then they finally got a takeaway earlier this game, and then they fumbled it in the end zone and didn't even get points off of it, a takeaway by Nick Benito, the linebacker, who if you were watching, the play right before it had dropped a ball thrown directly to him that would have ended the game. When you have a guy drop a pass that's thrown directly to him in a situation like that, that's when you think things are not going your way. But Charlie Brewer got a snap that he wasn't really prepared for, looks up, tries to find his receiver, and Benito jumps around. and this game's over, and the biggest comeback in Oklahoma history has happened. Oklahoma Still, somehow, the team that only a couple hours before we were talking about, like, yeah, well, pack in the season, maybe play the backup quarterback, maybe we'll figure out what we got going into next year. Maybe there's a nice, decent bowl win that we can walk out away from the season with. Oklahoma is now the only hope of the playoff for the Big Twelve. They're a team that actually, you know, this is a huge road win, and they get a chance to beat another ranked team in Oklahoma State, and then play probably, you know, I guess almost certainly Baylor again another ranked team so they have this ranked win on the road and they've got a chance for two more ranked wins the playoff is in play and this team almost feels unstoppable after a half like that you look at the way the defense played in the second half and you look at the way the offense played in the second half without CD lamb you put CD lamb in that offense again looking at the way the, those freshman receivers can play so you, okay yeah go cover CD lamb we'll throw it to East. we'll throw it to Hazelwood We'll throw it to, to you know Austin Stogner, who'll catch two touchdowns. We'll throw it to the H-back, Braden Willis, for a touchdown. Uh, not to mention Kennedy Brooks. This offense is unstoppable if Jalen takes care of the ball. And I think if, if I really, really want to get into exactly one of the biggest issues with Jalen is he runs it too much. And, and Lincoln Riley calls runs for him too much because he fumbles a lot. If a running back fumbled as much as Jalen Hurts, that running back would have been replaced and you wouldn't run it with him anymore. But because he's the quarterback, we forgive the fumbles. I don't know. I do have a problem with that, and I think that that's something they really need to take care of going into TCU-Oklahoma State games and playing Baylor again and looking at playoff or bowl game or whatever you want to do. I just wonder how they're going to sustain Jalen Hurts running with his proclivity to fumble. But, you know, the Heisman campaign is back alive. Despite the three turnovers – Leading your team on a big comeback like that, with all those touchdowns, with all of that leadership, there was no luck. Like I said, there wasn't some big broken play. This was methodical. This was smart. This was uh, talent. This was the offensive line of Oklahoma just wearing down Baylor's defensive line. And Baylor's defense overall had to have been so gassed, and Oklahoma's offense Oklahoma's defense had to have been so uh, rested and hyped for every time they were out on the field in the second half because they were rested. And you know, this was a game that we'll never see again. You'll never see a game like that again. I know that a 25 point comeback has happened already this season. Uh, I think two actually have happened. But the point is that a game like that in a big matchup with two ranked teams, you're just not going to see it. And you this this was a unique special sporting event one that that I don't think I had any expectation would go this way uh, even when Oklahoma won the game with the interception i kind of went crazy but i also was like i couldn't believe it i didn't have like an anticipation a build up of a big moment, you know, like when you're, you're real nervous and you're, you're building up and you're like, I just want us to make this field goal and we're, we're going to win the game. And you kind of saw it coming for a long time. I didn't see any of this coming, even as it was happening. It was, it was a slow moving train that when it hit you, you were surprised by the force. I don't know if that's a very good metaphor, but it was just, it was a methodical comeback, a very weird, uh, comeback, but an amazing game. And I'll be extremely curious to see how this game plays out when they play it again, which, again, does suck the idea that they have to play again. I could see it going one of two ways. One, obviously, like the second half, which we think, I think most people in the country think the second half is really these two teams. The second half is Oklahoma's offense is dominant, Baylor's offense is average. And when they face a defense that's playing pretty well, they can be stopped and that's what we think the game will be if they play again. The other hand is, hey, we've seen Oklahoma's defense play poorly. They play poorly again and Baylor doesn't let them off the hook, to quote the great Dennis Green. We let them off the hook. They know who ba- they know who Oklahoma is. They were who we thought they were and we let them off the hook. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Baylor knew who Oklahoma was. They had them on the ropes and they they let them I'm mixing metaphors now, but they let him off the hooks. They let him off the hook. They had him on the line and they let him off the hook. Will they get a chance again in the Big 12 championship? I don't know. I don't know how that game will go. It will be fascinating. I'd like to think that Oklahoma's figured it out and they won't struggle and Jalen Hurts won't literally put the ball on the ground and CeeDee Lamb will exploit the same things that those other receivers for Oklahoma were exploiting. But it's football. You never know. Rematches are really weird. I'm really excited for it. Um, I talked about Texas losing again in the newsletter portion of the Big 12 Bullets. We're not going to talk about that here, but pff, come on. What are we doing, Texas? Uh, Baylor plays Texas this weekend. We'll really get a glimpse of what Baylor is how, with how they recover. I tr- I think Matt Rule is a good enough coach to get his team ready to play, and Texas Texas is probably a very... Uh, blase uh, feeling team right now. I don't think they're going to be inspired to beat Baylor, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe they want to bounce back after another loss, and they want to uh, prove that they actually do belong. and And maybe Baylor is is really down after this game. I imagine they would be, but I think Baylor's a better team, and I think they'd go ahead and beat Texas. Oklahoma's got TCU. There's always some danger there. I think they're going to go ahead and win that game. The Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, the Bedlam game, that will be fascinating. And we will talk about that next week. I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to get a podcast recorded and ready on time with Thanksgiving week, and I'll be on vacation, and there's all kinds of things going on. But I will get at least a short one up previewing Bedlam and all the other games talking about the things that happened this weekend. I'll see you next week. Please like, please subscribe, please write a review. If you uh, give me a review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. Please write one with words um, and uh, you know, give me those five stars. It's really nice to have reviews. And share this. Share this with friends. Share this with, uh, you know, maybe don't share this one with your Baylor friends, but next week we'll be back, uh, you know, maybe on a normal normal even keel as far as Baylor goes but share this one with your Oklahoma friends or your Big 12 your football friends uh we talk about all the teams here we don't just talk about Oklahoma yes i, I went to OU um they are the best team in the conference for, for the last for for many many years but we talk about all the teams um depending on what they're doing i talked about Iowa State beating Texas in the newsletter portion you can sign up for that at big12bullets.com so Please keep up with the Big 12 Bullets brand. Tell your friends about it, and uh, I'll talk to you next week on the Big 12 Bullets.